0: All right, good morning, good morning. Y'all give yourselves a hand clap for today. Also, we want to welcome you guys for tuning in online, watching with us right now or later on. Thank you. Welcome to New Life Church of Mobile. Man, we had a great Easter service last week. Uh, We had a great time. We had an Easter egg extravaganza where we gave out some gift cards and different things like that. Man, we had a really great time last week. And uh, sorry if you missed it, but uh, hey, there's always next year. (laughs) There's always next year. But man, I'm excited uh, to be in the house of the Lord today. Uh, we're in the middle. We're not in the middle. We're just starting. So we're starting a brand new sermon series uh, this month called or, um, Pressure. Y'all say pressure. pressure. And you say, what is pressure? Y'all know what pressure is. <laughs> and I'm not talking about the pressure when you eat too much dairy or the pressure <laughs> where you feel like, oh, I didn't eat too much. Not that ki- we're not talking about that type of pressure. That's a whole different type of pressure. <laughs> But we're talking about the pressure of life. There's so many things that we walk through that just brings pressure. You know, just waking up in the morning, you feel pressure. It's like the day I haven't even got started yet, and you just feel this pressure, and you're like, ooh, where'd all this pressure come from? And it's just the pressures of life. So what we're going to discuss over the next few weeks are different areas of life that we all face pressure. And I wish we were exempt from pressure, but guess what? We're not. All of us have pressure some way or another, and we all deal with pressure one way or another. And I believe over the next few weeks, we're going to uh, study this, we're going to deep dive into this, and I believe that uh, the Holy Spirit is going to speak directly to your heart to help you ha- know how to navigate pressure and how to overcome pressure, amen? Because this is the, the, a true statement, not all pressure is bad pressure. Not all pressure is bad pressure, and we'll get more into that in a minute. But today, let's just open up in prayer, and then we're going to go ahead and get started. Holy Spirit, we thank you for these moments that we have in your presence. I thank you that in the next few moments, you will speak clearly to our hearts. I bind every hindrance and distraction of the enemy. Speak clearly to us, Holy Spirit, regarding the area of pressure. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 You know, last week was Easter Sunday, and we celebrated the, uh, the resurrection of our king. Of our Savior Jesus Christ. And sometimes I think that we forget why it's so important that we celebrate the resurrection of our King. And the reason that we celebrate the resurrection of our King is because of the price that he paid. And we know that the price he paid was for what? Our sin. But sometimes I think we can gloss over how important of a statement that is. He paid the price for our sin. And sometimes we could get and this habit with God, we could just like, well, I just do what I want to do and then I repent and then God forgive me. And that's kind of how we look at sin. How many of you ever felt like sin? Like, I know it's wrong, I do it anyway, God'll forgive me because his grace is sufficient and his mercy is anew each and every day, and I could just do what I want to do, and then I could just repent, and then I'll be forgiven, and then we'll move along with our day. And that's kind of how we approach sin. But I want to just kind of talk about this first week that we're talking about. The pr- this series is about pressure. The first area of pressure we're going to deal with today is the pressure of sin. The pressure of sin. And if you follow along, if you uh, download our app, uh, we have the notes available for you on our New Life Church Mobile app. If you have an uh, Apple, uh, the App Store or the Google Play Store, you could download the app there, follow along. You could go back to look at all the messages from previous uh, sermons, all the notes, updates, everything is on the app. Just wanted to give you that bit of information so you could follow along. But if you don't have that, you could just jot these down and take notes. I would encourage you to and study this. You know, sometimes you can hear a message on Sunday, walk out the door, and then forget what was talked about. These are things that I really want you to write it down, jot it down, and go back and allow the Holy Spirit to really uh, revisit you. Because I'm telling you, these things that we're going to talk about today, I believe is going to be the breakthrough that some of you need. It's going to be the breakthrough that some of you need. And the main verse that is going to be for throughout this whole sermon series on pressure is this. It's from 1 John chapter 4, 4. And I'm going to read it out of the, uh, the New King James Version. It says, you are of God, little children, and have overcome them because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the what? The world. That last part. That's what, how do you overcome pressure? Knowing that he that is in you is greater than he that is in the world. How do you overcome pressure? Knowing that God is with me. God is on my side. I am a son and daughter of the Most High God. And because he's with me and because he's overcome the world, guess what? I can overcome pressure as well too. But this first area that we're going to talk about, the pressure of sin, there's four things about the pressure of sin that we have to to turn from. Or we, and we have to look at the first one is this. Write this down, number one. The first thing is this. We have to have repentance from sin. Repentance from sin. And I just want to, this first part, I just want to just share some, just some thoughts with you guys just to kind of set up the framework of why sin is so important and why we have to get free from the pressure of sin. It's this is, in Exodus chapter 2, 20, verse 5. It says, I lay the sins of the parents upon their children, the entire family is affected. I just want to focus on that. I lay the sins of the parents upon their children. The entire family is affected. And some translations say that the sins of the fathers are passed down to the sons and daughters. And I want you all to remember that in just a moment because we're going to come back to that. But the main point is this, is that we're all born into sin. It is our nature. From the moment that you were born, I know we look at that, oh, this is a precious baby. But the truth is, we were born into sin. It's nothing that you did to deserve it. It's nothing that you did to earn it. It's just our nature. We were all born into sin. So that means that all of us are affected by what? By sin. It's just like breathing. Take a deep breath. That's how easy it is to sin. Just like that. Just that easy. That's how easy it is to sin because why? It is in our nature. We're born into it. There's nothing that you can do to escape it. We're all born into sin. We're all affected by it. And naturally, when, we, uh, when we're born into sin, this is how we think and how we process things. And our thoughts are naturally bent towards evil. In the Old Testament, God saw that the mankind, the, the creation that he created, he saw that all of our thoughts were bent towards evil. And he said, you know what? Something's got to change because this is not I did not create man to be evil or to have evil thoughts. But I see where they're going. And so in Genesis chapter five, six, verse five, it says the Lord observed the extent of human wickedness on the earth. And he saw that everything they thought or imagined was consistently and totally what evil. So that's not just me thinking, oh, God. No, no, that's the word of God. He says, I see that man's thoughts are A consistently, and he said consistently and totally evil. Not just that they are, they just have a few evil. No, no, consistently and totally evil. Nothing has really changed since then. Because guess what? We're all born into sin. So sin is still there. So what happened? In the Old Testament, God said, you know what? I have to make a way or uh, there's got to be a way to make man right with me. So what they did was they came up with sin offerings. And God says, for every sin, and it was all these commandments, you can go back in Leviticus 4, they break it down a great deal. I don't have time to go into it today, but they began to give uh, blood sacrifices for animals, bulls, rams, lambs, chickens, goats, moths, beans, greens, potatoes, tomatoes. Like (laughs) they, They began to give all these offerings and sin offerings unto the Lord on the altar to make themselves justified and right with God. But God says, you know what, there's got to be a better way than this, because at this point, all they're doing is killing all the animals. And if you think about how much time it would take each and every day, and then they would have to sacrifice their sins for things intentional and unintentional. How many times do we sin intentional, intentional and unintentional? Think about how, oh, I got to go out and get another bull. I know little Lassie is out here, but I got to get this goat and I got to sacrifice this. And it's like we, the, how much time and energy and effort it would take all day for all the, the thoughts, that we, just with our thoughts. Not even our actions, our thoughts. Because it says that our thoughts were consistently and totally evil. That is the sin nature. And God's, there's got to be a better way. There's got to be a better way than this. And if I were to say, let's list all of the sins in the room. Let's let's list all of your sins. If we could put all y'all sins on the on the screen right now, starting one by one. Let's let's everybody get in a single file line. We're gonna put all y'all. Boy, it'll get heavy in this room. <laughs> boy, y'all start running for the exit. You know what? I'm late for work. I forgot they scheduled me to come in this morning. I, you know, and uh, you know, usually I don't like going to work, but I, I just feel a joy to go to work this morning. Boy, y'all would be out of here quick, fast, and in a hurry. Why? Because sin naturally brings a pressure even when I'm talking about saying you feel something inside of you right now. What is that? That's the pressure of sin. And I'm not even saying what you've done or that I'm not accusing you of anything. All I'm simply saying is we all have a sin nature and the, and the, and sin is doing a great job of putting that pressure on you right now. And you can already think, man, I know I'm doing this wrong. I, I did it. And you can feel it already. That's not me. That's the Holy spirit that convicts us of sin. But that's why it's so important that we recognize just how, uh, how important or how much we need to rely on God to deliver us from sin because sin has that much control over us. Amen? Yeah. The pressure of sin. There's a pressure that comes with sin. So when, G- when God said there has to be a better way for me to be made right with man, my creation, he came up with the most creative idea ever. He said, You know what? I'm going to send my son as a sacrifice for all mankind, for once and for all. But you remember when we read that scripture that he says that the sins of the parents will fall on the children? Well, we know that Jesus is the only one that was born without sin. So the only way that Jesus could be born without sin was that his seed had to be a holy seed. And that his father couldn't be a natural father or an earthly father because what? We're all born into sin. So that's why the Holy Spirit impregnated a Virgin Mary so that the Holy Spirit or God our Father would be his father and not an earthly father. So that way, he's the only one that could be born without sin. The only one. He's the only one that could be born without sin. Did you ever think about that? Why it had to happen that way? That's why, because God, Jesus is the only one that lived this earth and that was born without sin. But if the sins of the father are passed down to the children, he couldn't have an earthly father because guess what? He would be born into sin. But we know that he wasn't. He's the spotless lamb. The, he, he is the only one that lived a perfect life. Our thoughts are constantly uh, and totally bent towards evil. His are not. Never had an evil thought. Never had an evil intention. The only one. And that would, that's what makes him the perfect sacrifice. And Jesus surrendering his life we can rest assured that the pressure and the stain of sin that we feel, Jesus still felt that same pressure, but he sinned not. I'm pretty sure there were some opportunities for Jesus to get upset with some folks. It's mainly his disciples when they deserted him and all those things. But did he get upset or, or sin against them? No, he didn't. But he felt the same pressures that we felt. When you feel resistance from sin in your life, it's because you become comfortable in sin and the thought of surrendering it to God brings pressure. Sometimes you could get so comfortable in your sin that when when I speak about surrendering to your sin, you get uncomfortable. You feel a pressure because this oh no, I like my sin. This is comfortable. This is natural. But when we start speaking against it and say, "Hey, you need to surrender and break free from that." Then a pressure comes because you're like, "You want me to depart from that?" How can I let go of that? Because it's in your nature. And it's, it's a place of comfort. It's a, it's, a, it's a secret place that you can go to and say, nobody knows about this. Just being myself and God. He sees. But it's a natural pressure that comes when we're caught and we're in our sin. Because of your intentional and unintentional sin, that's why it's so important to surrender all to Jesus at the altar. Because you don't know truly what's inside of you until you're in a situation that exposes it. That's why intentional and unintentional, because there's some things inside of you that you don't know that it's inside of you until you're in the right environment and situation, and then it'll come out you say, oh, I didn't even know I could say that. I I didn't even know I could respond and act like that. Why is that? Because the sin is inside of you lurking, whether it's intentional or unintentional. It's in there lurking. That's why you have to say, Jesus, I give it all. I, that is not just a, oh, that's a cute saying, I surrender all, Jesus. No, you really have to surrender all because there is sin lurking inside of you. And there is a pressure that comes from sin that leads to death. And then there's a pressure from Jesus that leads to life. There's a pressure from sin that leads to death and a pressure from following Jesus that leads to life. Romans 6.23 says, for the wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus, our Lord. Proverbs 14, 12, it says there is a path before each person that seems right, but it ends in what? Yeah. How many of you have followed the path that you thought was right, but then you got there it's like, you know what? This is not the path for me. I'm pretty sure all of us can attest to that. There's a path that we thought was right, but it, guess what? It ends in death. And the enemy wants you to stay on that path of sin. He wants you to feel that pressure of sin. But how do we combat this? We all need repentance. What does repentance mean? It means I'm turning my back on my sinful nature. The very thing that I was born into, I'm turning my back on that. So the way that I think, I'm turning my back on the way that I think that sinful nature, and I'm going this way. The way that I speak, the words that I say, I'm turning my back on that. I'm repenting of that, and I'm going in a totally different direction. The way that I used to act and the things I did, I am repenting of that, and my lifestyle is totally changed. Repentance. I'm repenting, and I'm turning to Jesus. I'm turning away from the sinful nature that I was born into. What is that? I'm turning away from sin. I'm turning away from the pressure Of sin, But the only way you could do that is repentance and surrender through Jesus Christ, the perfect lamb that was slain. That's why Easter is so important. Because we were born into sin and we were destined to hell. But because of his act of love and sacrifice, he made a way, the perfect lamb, the perfect sacrifice that we can repent. All you have to do is repent. And I say all, but that's a big step. And you repent of your sin and say, I'm turning away from my sinful nature. Say, I'm turning away from my sinful nature. And guess what, y'all? That's a journey. It's, it's a, In a moment, that's all it takes is a moment to do it. But then it's a journey that you have to continue to follow and continue to say, I'm going to stay in a place of repentance. Because every morning that you wake up, guess who wakes up too? That flesh. That sinful nature, it wakes up right with you too. So you can have a great night of reading your Bible and praising the Lord at night and go to sleep feeling good and wake up in the morning with a bad attitude. <laughs> why is that? Because that sinful nature is still right there lurking. So that's why we all, not, no one is excluded. We all need repentance. And we can't hold on until we say, God, I repent of this. So the first thing is the pressure of sin. The second thing is we need the sanctification from sin. We need sanctification from sin. You know, naturally, there is a natural stain of sin on who you are. In order to remove the stain of sin, you have to allow the blood to cover you. That's repentance. But also, you have to allow the blood to wash you and to make you clean. That's sanctification. So, the blood covers you. That's repentance. That's forgiveness. But when the blood cleanses you, that's sanctification. That means that God is doing a work on the inside of you. That's when people say, man, there's something different about you. You know, you used to act this way, but you you acting a little different. Now, what's going on? What is that? That's the work of sanctification on, that's going on inside of you. As a believer, most of the heaviness that you feel is a lack of sanctification. If you are a believer, a born-again believer, but you always have a spirit of heaviness on you, I would say that's a lack of sanctification because the more that God sanctifies you and cleanses you and purifies you, guess what begins to happen? The heaviness gets to, gets, begins to go away. But the more that you hold on to the heaviness and you don't pursue sanctification, guess what? The pressure of sin is still on you. So the little thing is going to take you off. It's going to set you off real quick. Why? Because there's not a pursuit of sanctification. But when you pursue sanctification, things you begin to get cleansed. And things in your life, they they begin to change. What is sanctification? It's a soul cleansing from the effects of life. It's a soul cleansing from the effects of life. From the time you were born until now, you have the same soul, and that same soul needs to be cleansed. You only get one soul. So I want you to think about how much you have walked through from the moment you, you were born until this very moment right now. And you mean to tell me from however old you are, if you're 25, 55, 65, 75, 85, whatever, however old you are, from that moment of birth until now, all the things that you've walked through and how much your soul has walked through those same experiences. Don't you think your soul needs cleansing? Don't you think your soul needs healing? But if you don't pursue sanctification, guess what? You might try to change, but your soul is like, don't forget about me. Like, do you know what I've been through? Do, do you recognize I've, I was there with you when they did that to you, remember? And I need cleansing as well. But we can't forget about our soul because our soul needs sanctification. Our soul needs to be made whole. And sanctification starts when you, make, when you put a higher priority on spending time with God and God's spaces than on the things that you think that are valuable. When you put a more, more of a priority on the things of God and the presence of God and make space for God, guess what? That is when the journey of sanctification begins. Because until you do that, you will always put a prior higher priority on what you want to do versus the presence of God. Well, you know, I know they have prayer going on, but I have to, I need to catch up on my laundry. I got to catch up on my shows. I got all these on my DVR and you know, it's only going to be on Netflix for a few weeks later. I got to binge watch all these. And, boy, you could put, we could put all the values and excuses on everything else besides the presence of God. But your soul is crying out, God, I need your presence. But you say, well, it's not that important. And your soul is just getting dragged through the mud. What's, what's uh, the, uh, the um, not Charlie Brown, what's the little boy with the, with the, the blanket? Lila's. The little dirty blanket, everywhere he goes, that's your soul. <laughs> just every, you, everywhere you go, your soul is just falling, just dirty. You see the little, the, you know, like they little, show the little animations for the dirt flying up. That's Lylas with this little blanket. The blanket is like your soul. you just dragging it around everywhere you go, just dirty everywhere you go, just stepping on it, all on the ground. But your soul says, please cleanse me. Please wash me. I need to be cleansed. But it starts when you make God a higher priority. That means this. That's going to change the way that you think. Because naturally, what we've been towards, evil. So your natural instinct is not going to say, oh, let me run to the presence of God for this. Your natural instinct is going to be, what is going to bring me comfort to help me forget about what I'm walking through? That's what your natural instinct is going to do. So you have to train yourself to say, no. What I'm going to do is I'm going to position myself to be in the presence of God. And I know when there are places for me to go to enter into the presence of God, I'm going to run there. I'm not going to neglect it because my soul needs sanctification. My soul needs cleansing. It's a fight every time to come into the presence of God. And the more that you push through that pressure to make it into God's presence, you don't neglect that time. In other words, this don't neglect the time. Don't neglect it. In your personal time, in your personal devotions, don't neglect it. Push through. Push through that pressure because there's a pressure that's going to come on you that says don't go into God's presence. you got a million things to do. Push through that pressure. There's a natural pressure that's going to try to keep you away from God's presence. You have to push through. And sanctification is a leading. It's a leading. What does that mean? That means that sometimes you're going to have to willingly give your hand to someone and say, please lead me through sanctification. Because think about this if you're trying to go somewhere you've never been, how do you know to go there? How do you know which way to go? You need to follow someone that has already been there. And I remember Tamara and I, we talk about this all the time. Still to this day, our lives are, our hands are open to other people to lead us. We're still being led by our pastors to this day. To this day. Meaning that they're in places, that they've been to places and know things that that we don't know of yet. They've walked through experiences that we, but but the point of what I'm saying is that I know that I want to make it to heaven. And I want God to say, "Job uh, 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 job done, my good and faithful servant. I want him to say those things to me. But I know that in my walk of sanctification, I'm going to have to have someone to lead me there sometimes. Because I don't know how to lead myself. I know how to lead myself into destruction. I know how to lead myself into evil. That's easy. Oh, that's real easy. But to lead myself into sanctification, sometimes I might just say, "Now, what does that look like?" And I remember from the moment I got saved, I, my, I y'all. Some of you have heard my testimony before. Some of you have not. If you're not, if you have, I'm sorry, you're gonna hear it again. But I literally went to a church, to, went to the church to get saved. It was like on a Wednesday, Tuesday, Wednesday, something like that. I didn't do it. I didn't get saved in the church service. I was at a barber shop getting my haircut, and I told the barber, "Stop! I can't get." He's like, "Stop what?" I was like, "I can't get. A, I was like, I need to leave." And so I literally ran out of the barbershop, shop, and my dad was with me, and we drove to the church. We went to the church, and I said, "I need to speak to a pastor." And the pastor came down. He prayed for me for salvation, and and I was like, kind of like, "What's next?" And they were like, "Well, you need to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit." And I'm like, right now? And they was like, yeah. Do do you want to? I was like, sure. And so what happened? My hand, from the moment I was saved, my hand was out for other people to lead me. So what happened? A man came out, and he prayed with me. Guess what happened? I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And then after he finished praying with me, another pastor came out. And he said, hey, man, nice to meet you. What's your name? I'll talk to him. And he's like, what you up to? I was like, nothing. He's like, we're about to go out witnessing. You want to come with us? Yes, I'll go with you. What is that? My hand was open for leading. From the very moment that I got saved, my hand was open for somebody to lead me. Still to this day, my hand is still open for others to lead me into sanctification because I know that they can lead me to places that I can't lead myself. Because myself wants to do what myself wants to do. Jesus allowed the Father to lead him to the place that he didn't want to go to, the cross. We talked about it last week. Jesus did not want to do it. But because he surrendered his life, he says, Father, lead me where you want me to go. Let your will be done, not mine. And what was that? He was giving his hand away and saying, lead me to where you want to go because I know sanctification is on the other end of it. And if you want sanctification, sometimes you have to be willing to allow people to say some tough things to you. Oh, but you don't want to hear that. We do want to hear, oh, pastor, just bless me. Speak a, a word of blessing and, and provision and protection over me. But sometimes it's, yeah, but your attitude is messed up. Yeah, yeah maybe this part of your character is a, is a little off and, you, and that needs to change. But w- what is that? That's sanctification. That's allowing someone to speak something is, into you that could bring you and cleanse your soul to draw you closer to God. But then again, guess what happens? There's a pressure with that, too. There's a pressure. that Instantly when I say that, oh, somebody leading me, that means they got to be all in my business. It's nobody trying to be in your business. Why, why is it always everybody always say, I don't want everybody in my business, but you go on their social media page and they got all their business on social media. <laughs> I don't want you all in my business, but you put your business on social media. Everybody know what you're doing. But all of a sudden, when it comes to the things of God and you're trying to get right with God, oh, I don't want everybody all in my business. Okay, well, how you, you go your way, you're going and see how it works out. But, yep, back to Facebook, and, and I was at this church, and they did this. And, no, sanctification, it's a leading. Amen? Amen? So, first we have to get rid of the, um, the, we have to, I'm sorry, we have to repent from sin. Then there's a sanctification from sin. And before we do that, I want to read these verses. Psalms 23.3, it says, he renews my strength. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. He guides me to right paths. And why does he lead me to the right paths? Because it brings honor to whose name? His name, not my name, his name. We want the honor for our name. God says, I want to lead you on the right path to bring honor to my name, not your name. But the crazy thing is there's benefits of that as well. Because if he leads you to the right path and you bring honor to his name, he's going to bring blessings on you. Because you're following the path that he has for you. In the King James, it says this, he restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. That's what the King James says. It's the leading that cleanses your sins and also other people's sins against you. When you allow others to lead you, the sanctification, it cleanses you not only of your sins, but all of the sins that people have committed against you. And I don't have to go around the room to know that people have done some hard things to you, some terrible things to you. I know they have, because you're living in life. You're living on planet Earth. And as long as there are people, there's going to be hurt. And your soul needs cleansing from the hurt and the sins that other people have committed against you. Your soul is not meant to hold on to those experiences. God did not create you to hold on to those experiences what he created you to do is to give it to him and to allow him to cleanse you and give you the strength to overcome what has happened to you. But you have to pursue him in sanctification and say, God, I know this, I didn't deserve it, and you didn't deserve it. But he's saying, I need you to allow me to cleanse your soul. Let me sanctify you so you can overcome the hurt of others as well. The good thing about sanctification is this, is that it prepares you For what God will, I'm sorry, what has been prepared for you is what God will use to change you. What has been prepared for you is what God will use to change you. What does that mean? Sunday services have been prepared for you. There's a lot of thought that goes into a Sunday service from the songs that we sing at worship to, I know some people say, well, how do you come up with sermon series or what do you know to talk about? You talk about the things that people walk through. And it's all prepared for you. So God uses the things that are prepared for you to help bring sanctification in your life. What's also prepared? Wednesday night prayer. That's always prepared with you in mind. It's an avenue and a place that God has prepared for you to come into his presence to uh, to pursue sanctification. Life groups, uh, community that we build here, outreaches, all these things. God has prepared all these things for you, and those are the tools that he uses to help you pursue sanctification. But guess what? It's your choice to say, you know what, I'm going to pursue those things or not. But it's all available for you, and that's what God uses to help remove the stain of sins in your life. Because naturally, there's a stain on us. Remember, we're born into that sin nature, so we need the sanctification to remove the stain of sin that's on all of us. All of us have that stain. No one is exempt. Sanctification, it removes the sin off of your life. And it also helps remove the enemies out of your life. And and the enemies are not your enemies, or not your people, or not people. I know we say he's he's prepared a place before mine enemies, and we love to say them haters. That's not what we're talking about. The enemies are the things inside of you that keep you away from God's presence. Those are the enemies. That's the real enemies. The enemy is enemy. Enemy you. It's enemy. The enemy is enemy. Because the enemy inside of you is trying to keep you away from God's people and God's presence. He wants, he, the enemy inside of you will do Think about how many excuses you could come up with not to be in God's presence. Think about how many excuses you could come up with not to go to church. Why is that? Because the enemy is inside of you, wants to keep you away from God's presence because he knows that's an avenue for sanctification that can change you. And he'll do everything that he can to keep you away from sanctification because he doesn't want you to change. We got to pursue sanctification. Third thing, so we, uh, repentance from sin, sanctification from sin. The third thing is separation from sin. Separation from sin. God wants to walk with you, not by an appointed task by you. I'm sorry, let me say it again. God wants to walk with you, not to be appointed to a task by you. Meaning this, we don't just walk with God and go to God and say, God, change this, change that. It's like sometimes we serve God because we just need God to do an appointed task that we give to him. God, you see this is going on in my life? I need you to fix it. God, you see what's going on? I need you to overcome this for me. Thank you. Handle that. And, but that's how we treat God in prayer. We go to God like he's just our genie, and anytime we need a fixing or like a, what's that show Scandal, we like, come in and take care of this. Or What's her name? Uh, whatever her name is. I don't know. The fixer. We need a fixer to come in. You come in and take care of the situation. This is what's going on. Just make it disappear. Make it go away. That's how we treat God. God, this person's been mean to me. Go handle him. God, my boss, has been getting on my nerves. Do something to him. It's like we want God to step in, and it's like, God, that's not how I work. I, I, I don't work like that. I need you to separate because sometimes what it is is God wants you to draw closer to him so he can have conversations with you to tell you that, hey, These are things I need you to separate from, because the closer that you draw to God, really what God is trying to, why he wants you to draw closer to you, because he wants to speak to you, because he wants to have conversations with you, and when he walks with you, he talks with you, and when he talks with you, he's usually talking about things that are separating you and him. Hey, 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 uh, I know you're doing this, but guess what, this is separating you from me, so I need you to separate from that, would you want me to separate from God again? I don't think that was the God. I think that was the enemy lying to you. No, that's not the enemy. That's God. And the closer you draw to him, the clearer you hear his voice. And the, and it will make it easier to begin to separate from things that are causing you to be away from God. But if you don't pursue God in, in relationship, it's hard to separate from sin. Because sin will be naturally what you run to, not God. But God wants to use conversations to allow you to separate from sin. And sometimes you just have to be ruthless with sin and say, you know what, I'm going to separate at all costs. I heard a story about a guy recently that he was um, addicted to drugs, on all types of drugs. He, he got delivered, got clean, uh, started pursuing the Lord, started going to church. But at his job, he noticed that there were still people at his job that were doing drugs, and they were, tr- and it was like enticing him or trying to make him feel like, you need to come back to this lifestyle of doing drugs. But well, he felt the pressure of that, and he said, you know what? I know this is not the life that God wants for me. I got free from that, so he just quit his job. He said, instead of keep going back in this situation and being tempted, I'm just going to quit my job, and I'm going to get another job because I know God has called me to separate from sin, and I'm going to separate from sin at all costs. So what am I saying? I'm not telling you to go quit your job. But what I am saying is this, if there's things in your life that are causing you and tempting you to sin, you need to separate yourself from that. You need to be ruthless with it and say, you know what? I'm not going to compromise. I'm not going to allow it a foot, a a door. I'm closing the door to sin. And I'm saying, sin, I'm separating from you. Mm -hmm. And you have to begin to separate yourself. I'm separating from sin. You know, God is not pleased with how you stand up to sin. He's pleased with how you run from it. Some people feel like, oh, I could be in any environment and and I got the spirit of God. Yeah, you do. But you keep going back in that environment and eventually it's going to tempt you. It's like you may stand up one, two, three times, but you keep going back 20, 30, 50 times. Guess what? That drink sure do look a little better than it did the first time. Why? Because you keep putting yourself in the same environment when God is saying separate. Separate from sin. We need to separate. Say "Separate separate from sin. Hebrews chapter 12, verse one, it says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily tangles us up or trips us up. Man, it trips us up so easy. We have to separate ourselves from that. And, you know, in your separation, it prepares you for what God really wants for you separation begins to prepare you for your future and prepare you for things that in the moment you don't even realize the magnitude of what you're doing, but just because you decided to separate yourself from it, God can use that to prepare you for the future. I'll give you an example. When Mary Magdalene in Luke chapter 7, it says that she began to sit at Jesus' feet and her tears began to fall on his feet, and she used her hair to wash his feet, and she used an expensive perfume And poured it over him and began to prepare him for his burial. But guess what? She didn't know that. She did not know that she was preparing the burial for our Messiah, for our Savior. All she was doing was saying, I know that what I came out of, I was the lady possessed with all these demons. I'm separating myself from that past lifestyle. I'm pursuing Jesus. I'm following him. And now as I'm preparing myself and following him and separating from sin, I didn't prepare the Savior's bur- uh, uh, burial. Not knowing the magnitude of what's separating from sin that we will be talking about this lady 2,000 years from now, that one act of, 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 of love saying, God, I love you so much. I'm going to cry at your feet and wash your feet with my hair. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pour this, this expensive bottle of perfume over you because you're worthy. She wasn't thinking about him dying. She was saying, he's worthy of it, so I'm going to give it to him. Yeah, yeah. And when you begin to separate yourself from past lifestyles of sin and you make your walk towards God, guess what? You're preparing yourself for future things that you did not even know were in store. But you only get there if you separate from sin. Because as long as you're entangled in sin, God can't use you in the way that he wants to because the sin still has a grip on you. You got to separate from it. You have to separate from the pressure of sin. Psalms 51.10, it says, Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a loyal spirit within me. We all need a clean heart. We all need a loyal spirit. Because how many times we say, God, I'm going to serve you, and then we fall away. God, I'm going to do it this time. I really mean it. I'm going to give it my all. And then we give up. Create in me a clean heart. Renew a loyal spirit in me, God. That's what we all need. But it comes with separation of sin. But this is, oh, this is the good thing about this. Once you separate from sin, sin loses its power over you. When you begin to separate from sin, the pressure and the power of sin in that area, guess what? It loses power over you. So things that were once tempt you and trip you up, when you separate from it, guess what? It don't tempt you and trip you up anymore. I don't have to go, by, I don't have to go down the, uh, the alcohol aisle in the store and say, oh, I better not look at that old Jack Daniels because, oh, it's going to get me. No, I'm not worried about that because I've separated myself from that lifestyle. And when you separate yourself from that lifestyle, sin loses its power over you. When you separate from sin, you begin to operate in the power and the authority that God has given you. But the only way to fully operate in the power and authority that God has given you is you got to separate from sin. You have to, when you, I'm telling you, you step separate from sin, there's a power and authority that comes over you that you're like, I didn't know that I could do this because it's not you. What is it? It's the power and authority that only comes from God. It's the strength that he gives you to overcome because we can't overcome it ourselves because eventually we're going to fall short. But he gives you the power and the authority to overcome, but you have to separate from sin. When you separate from sin, you begin to speak into situations that you couldn't before, and now you become a threat to the enemy. You know, there are certain things that you can't speak into because you evolved in it yourself. You can see friends and family members going down the wrong path, but you can't really speak to it because you're doing the same thing. So what you going to tell them? Well, I mean, you just keep trying. It's going to work itself out somehow. I mean, just keep trusting God. Why? Because that's what you're saying to yourself, because you're in the same situation as them. But when you begin to separate from sin and you lo- sin loses its power over you, guess what? Now you have the authority and the power to speak into situations that you didn't before because now sin no longer has control over you. Now sin no longer has a grip on you. So now I can speak to those areas because I'm no longer entangled in those things myself. Because as long as I'm entangled and I try to speak into it, I'm a hypocrite and I have no power. And it's going to come back on me and I'm like, man, I... I'm telling them to do that, but I'm not doing it myself. How would they look at me as a pastor come up here and tell you all this about sin and I'm a sin? And y'all come to find out, this man got five, six different women on the side and he got all. Y'all would look at me like this man is crazy, right? Yeah. But that's not the case. My wife, she would kill me. <laughs> but, that's, but that's not the case. But my point is this, is that we have to separate from sin. Amen? Yeah. Last thing. Last, last thing. We need purification from sin. Purification from sin. What is this? This is daily maintenance. Just like your car needs uh, maintenance, you, you, your physical self, your body, we need daily, your soul. We need daily maintenance, especially for those who have been believers for a long time. I'm telling you, if you've been a believer for a long time, you really need daily maintenance. Why do you need daily maintenance? Because of this. Because when you've been saved a while, you feel like you know a lot. I heard that sermon before. Pastor, I can preach that better than you can. I know that scripture. I wish such and such was here. They need to hear this. But what about you? Don't you need to hear it too? But that's what we begin to do when we get saved for a little while. We feel like we got a little wisdom on us. Oh, I, I've been through this. Just live a little bit longer. You'll see. Yeah, I'll see that I still need Jesus, just like you do too. But when you've been saved for a while, you really need that daily maintenance because that enemy, boy, he likes to puff up that pride on the inside of you. You are a warrior for God. You are a prayer warrior. You, 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 you Look at how, how many things you've conquered for God, and that pride could get built up on the inside of you, boy, real quick. I know I'm an overcomer. Yes, you are. But who is the one that helps you overcome? But we can look at ourselves and say, look what I've accomplished for God. But we need purification from sin that says, no, I'm going to humble myself and I'm going to walk in humility. Because the way to overcome that is walk in humility. When you begin to walk in humility, I'm telling you, it purifies you like none. Else. I'm telling you, nothing humbles you more than walking in humility. When someone speaks a negative word against you or you know they speaking lies against you to remain silent, that takes humility. But if you're not performing daily maintenance and seeking the face of God, you're going to lash back. You're going to say, oh, I'm going to defend myself. They're not going to stand there and tell lies on me. No, no, no. Let the Lord be your defender. But we have to allow the Lord to to cleanse us. And what is this? These are the small foxes. In Song of Solomon's, it talks about the small foxes. It's the little things, the subtle things, the subtle attitudes, the subtle uh, remarks that we give, the subtle uh, uh, re- rejection that we show people. It's those things that that God wants to catch the small foxes. In Song of Solomon chapter 2 verse 15, it says, catch all the foxes, those little foxes, before they ruin the vineyard of love, for the grapevines are blooming. Catch all the foxes, those little foxes, and it's the little foxes that spoils the vines. It's those little foxes that get in the way that, man, you, I was doing, you ever been, man, I was doing good in my relationship with the Lord. And then something, I don't know what happened. It's the little foxes. You got to catch the, it's not the big monster. It's the little foxes, the little sneaky ones that get in. You got to catch those, the little foxes. I purify purify myself by exercising humility. Man, this is a great thought. Obviously, Jesus is the most humble and the only perfect person that ever lived. But just think about what he was doing hours before he was about to be crucified. He was washing his disciples' feet. Hours before he was about to be crucified, he said, you know what? I know what what it's about to be awaiting me. But in this moment, I'm going to humble myself and wash my servants' feet or my disciples' feet. And he spent time, and he washed all of their feet, and he had supper with them. He showed great humility in the moment that was about to be his greatest conquest. He didn't pro- you know what I'm about to do? I'm about to be the savior of the world. And everybody, no, that's not what he did. He humbled himself. And he said, let me serve you and wash your feet. Let me serve you. Purification isn't a race to the top. It's a race to the bottom. It's knowing how to keep your mouth shut when others are speaking lies. It's not letting your thoughts run rampant. Yes. What does this mean? I did. You didn't do it, but you thought it. I I didn't do it, but but I thought it. I th- I thought about doing it, but I, I I mean I know. But the thought you thought it though, and that's why our mind needs to be purified. Our mind needs to be sanctified, and we need to run to pure uh, to be purified. In Isaiah chapter six, Isaiah said, "I am a sinful man with filthy lips." Then the seraphim it took the coal and cleansed. His lips. What does this mean? We need the fire of God to cleanse our lips. We need the fire of God to come in and cleanse our heart. We need the fire of God to come in and and, and cleanse and purify us and sanctify us, but that only happens in His presence. It only happens in His presence. And the pressure that comes with running to God's presence to be purified is the flesh says, I don't like it. Because nobody likes pressure and nobody likes pain. But the thing is, pain brings pressure, but guess what it also brings? It brings growth. Pain and pressure brings growth, and usually God uses pain to bring growth in your life. But we don't like to hear that. I'm sorry to be the bearer of bad news. I know y'all want to hear God uses good things to bring growth in your life. Sometimes he does, but most of the time it's pain. Even at at a baby's birth, it's pain that the baby is born. All the women said, amen, that had babies. (laughs) But God uses pain to grow us. And we walk through a lot of things that are very painful. But when you allow God to use that pain to purify you, guess what? Now you're in a whole different playing field. Instead of letting the pain destroy you and make you bitter and upset and mad at God and others, say, God, I know this is hard, but I'm going to allow this pain that I'm walking through, I'm going to let it to cause me to draw closer to you so you can use this pain for a greater purpose in my future. Yeah. And God wants to use that pain to prepare you for what he has for you, and it's through purification. It's through purification, but you have to allow the Lord to purify you. God wants your whole sinful nature to be dependent upon him. And what does that mean? That means surrender. I'm going to surrender it all to you. My whole sinful nature, I'm surrendering it to you because I'm dependent upon you, God. I can't make it on my own. This pressure of sin that I feel, I, I don't want this pressure anymore. I want this pressure of, of knowing that this is tormenting my mind. How many times are you, how many of you are sick of going to bed at night with things tormenting your mind? With situations that you know This is the same thing year after year, month after month. It's the same old thing, man. You get tired of the same. You know when you make changes, when you get tired. Until you get to the point where you get tired, you really don't change. You just get complacent, or you just get comfortable. But when you really get tired, that's when you surrender. Say, God, you know what? I'm tired of this. I surrender. That's what happened to me. I just got tired. I was like, I'm. You know what? I'm tired of trying to figure this out. It's too hard to try to figure it out. So I'm just gonna surrender. And that's when the process for me started. We just have to surrender. Surrendering is a lot easier, y'all. It just is. I was telling tomorrow, I was like, man, you know what? Surrendering is just a lot easier than trying to fight it in your own strength. Because you could do it for a little bit, but it's gonna, you're going to get tired. And it's going to wear out. And you're going to find yourself back in the same spot. God, I need you again. Come bail me out. And he'll do it. But you have to be in a place where you say, God, I just surrender all. Because I'm tired of walking through this. But we all need to be purified. We have to allow the difficulties that we walk through to position us to allow God to use that pain to prepare us for what he has in store for us. And usually the only way through it is got to walk through the pain. you got to embrace the pain. You can't run from it. I know you want to run from it, but you got to embrace it. Because denying it, and, and this is the thing, you can actually uh, acknowledge something but not agree with it. Sometimes people think if you acknowledge something, that means you agree with it. That's not true. I can acknowledge that, my, that, that I'm walking through something without agreeing that it's, that it's of God. Like I could say I'm walking through this and I know it's the devil. I don't agree with it. It's the devil. I call it out. But guess what? I'm walking through it. And when you begin to acknowledge and say, you know what? This is where I am. I acknowledge that but I don't agree with where I want to be. I want to be closer to God. Now I acknowledge that, and God, now I give you rain to come into my life to purify me. Things begin to change. God, I recognize this pain that I feel. I acknowledge it. It hurts, but I want you to use this pain for your greater glory. Please use this pain for your greater glory. Then the situation changes, but you have to walk through it, and is it always easy? I wish I could tell you it was, but the good news is You follow the one that gives you the strength to overcome. I can't give you the strength to walk through it. All I can do is encourage you to follow the one that can. All I'm doing this morning, I'm trying to point you back to Jesus. Because he is the one, ultimately, that can give you the power and the strength to overcome everything that you're walking through. Whatever that situation is, Jesus is the solution. I'm just trying to point you to him. I'm trying to let you know that that's how, how did I make it this far? I'm walking through some situations right now in my health. I'd never had health issues before. And then I found myself in a battle for my health. Like, what in the world did all this come from? And I could get upset. I could get mad at God. But you know what I said? You know what? This is is what I have to walk through. I'm going to embrace it. And God, I'm going to give you the glory as I walk through this and as I overcome. And I'm going to allow the pain of what I'm walking through to push me forward into what God has for me. Because I know what the enemy wants to do. He wants to use this to keep me down, to keep me defeated. That's what he wants to do. He wants that pain in your life that you feel, that situation that you're walking through. That's what he's trying to use to keep you down. But you just have to say, no, devil, this pain that I feel, I'm going to allow this to propel me into what God really has for me. And then he's going to try to come at you. Well, you can't really do that. You're not strong enough. I know I'm not, but God is, and he's going to give me the strength to help me overcome. So what you going to say now? But you have to go back to the one that can give you the strength to overcome. And that all starts with this, the pressure of sin. We have to repent from sin. We have to make sure that I'm turning away from sin. That old sinful nature, I'm turning away from. I'm allowing God to sanctify me from sin. I'm being sanctified uh, from my sin. And now I'm being uh, separated from sin. I'm separating from all the things that are causing me to sin. And now I'm allowing the Lord to purify me with his presence. Purify me with his word. Purify me every time I come in this presence. I'm, my heart is open for God to do a work. Man, every time you come in the presence of God, you got to be expecting for God to move. You, you can't just come into a church service or, or work and just say, I'm just going to show up and see what happens. No, you got to come say, God, I'm expecting you to move. Yeah, yeah. When you come with a heart of expectancy, guess what? He moves. He changes things. But if you just come in, I guess I, just, I got nothing else to do. I just checked this off my box. went to church today. Then you just went to church today and nothing happened. But if you come with an open heart to say, God, well, I want you to do something, I'm telling you, every single time I come in God's presence, I'm expecting for God to do something. And he speaks every single time. Could it be something big or small? It doesn't matter. I know he's going to speak. I know he's going to do something, whether it's big or small. But, but why? My heart is expecting for him to do something. And when you come with a heart of expectancy in God's presence, he always meets it because God responds to hunger. And that's another thing I want to encourage you. Be hungry for God's presence. Hunger for God's presence. More than anything that you desire, hunger for God's presence. Because the more you run to his presence, the easier it is and it becomes to overcome the things that you're walking through. The more you separate yourself from God's presence, the drier you get, the heavier it gets, the harder it gets. You run to God's presence, it makes it a little bit easier. Does it make it take all the pain away? Not all of it. But guess what? It sure makes it a lot easier. It makes it a lot easier and a lot sweeter when you get on the other side of that victory. Say, ooh, thank you, Jesus. And now I'm running back to your presence because I need some more. (laughs) Amen? Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your word today. Lord, I pray that you speak directly to situations today, Lord God, from the pressure of sin. I thank you, Lord God, that we've been overcome, to, uh, overcome Lord God, the, the things and the situations that we walk through, the problems that we face, Lord, that we know that we can run to your presence to find healing, to find deliverance, to find peace, Lord God. To separate ourselves from, from sin, Lord God. And I just want to take the next few moments, if you're in a room and you know that you're away from God and this message has been messing with you, Because the first point, the repentance of sin, you need to repent of sin. You know you're not right with God and you wanna come into right relationship with Him. Well, I wanna give you an opportunity to get right with God this morning. With no one looking around, you wanna come into right relationship with God, you're tired of living your life the way that you want to, you know that you're far away from God and you wanna come to Him for the first time or maybe you follow God and you wanna come back to Him. I wanna give you an opportunity to be made right with God this morning. With no one looking around, just lift up your hand, and I want to pray with you. Amen. Amen. Just lift your hand, just between you and God. I see your hand. I see your hand. Amen. Amen. I'm asking everyone just to place their hand over their heart. I want everyone just to repeat this after me. Say, Holy Spirit, thank you for this moment for this divine moment, where I can stand face to face with you. And in this moment, I repent of sin, intentional sin and unknown sin. I lay it down to you today. Cleanse me, Lord. Sanctify me, purify me. Allow others to help me to walk this walk, to follow you, devil, I'll put you on notice that you have no plan and no purpose and no place in my life. I command you to leave in the name of Jesus. I thank you that I'm free from the bondage and the stain of sin. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, y'all give the Lord a hand clap of praise this morning. And if you're in this room you made that prayer, if you prayed that prayer, and to see back in front of you, there's a connect card. On the back it says, I made a decision. You can fill that card out and drop it in an offering bucket to let us know that you prayed. And also the next step is, on April 30th is water baptism. This is a great way to declare that, hey, I, not only did I receive salvation, but now I'm making the next step, which is baptism saying that Jesus is Lord over my life. That's gonna happen April, 30th here at church you can fill out the card as well that says i want to be baptized maybe if you've been saved recently and you said i need to be baptized or you've been baptized when you were younger but you got saved later and you want to re-baptized it doesn't matter if you want to be baptized need to be baptized you know that's happening april sunday april 30th it will happen right after service and you can fill out the connect card to let us know about that uh you joining on us online if you made that decision to follow christ just let us know in the comments section that you made that decision or you can email us at info at newlifemobile.org we love to connect with you and pray with you and hear what god did in your heart in this moment come on let's give it up one more time for those that made a decision to follow christ the greatest decision that you will ever make amen amen well for you guys that are online i want to give you an opportunity to give and then you guys will be dismissed and we'll Uh, close our service out here. But if you're prepared to give online, there's a couple ways you could do that. You could go to our website, which is newlifemobile.org, or you could download our app. You can give on our app as well. And you can mail in a check or money order to our address, which is on our uh, website and on our Facebook page as well. But we wanna pray for those that are prepared to give and then you guys will be dismissed online. Lord, I thank you for those that are sowing into the kingdom of God. I thank you, Lord God, that we give you the first fruits, Lord God, the very best of what we have. And I thank you as we give you our best, Lord God, that you will pour out your best unto us. I pray that there will be no lack. There will be nothing that we would need, Lord God, that we would have everything that we need. And I thank you for a blessing every area of our lives for those that are prepared to give today, Lord God. Bless every area of their life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, we love you guys. Thank you so much for tuning in. I want to encourage you again. Water baptisms are Sunday, April 30th. Also, we have a vision night coming up, Wednesday, April 26th. Uh, that's at 6:30. It's a Wednesday night, so that's in two weeks. So, if you want to know what's going on for the next few months here at New Life Church, this is a great way to come, connect, to find out. It's vision night on April 26th at 6:30 p.m. We love for you to be there as well. But we'll also be here this Wednesday at 6:30 for prayer and love to invite you for week two of pressure next Sunday at 10 a.m. Well, we love you guys. Hope you all have a great, great Sunday, and we will see you next week. Amen.